This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Well, good morning, good morning. Uh, welcome to the Ward Scott Files. Professor Ward Scott here in the Manly Ward Out Command Center. Inside the Mellon Law Studio with 50 years of experience, Mellon Law, the only official law firm partner of the Florida Gators, neither will back down. And Crime Prevention secures us 24-7, 365. Contact them at cpss.net for all your security needs. And of course, take a look at the mug shots and make sure your neighbor's not on there. We uh, have a tremendous number of hits each month on those mug shots. Well, today is our really fascinating day with our former representative, who's the only representative I know personally ever term limited himself. Um, I guess that's the way it ought to be. <laughs> and we're the better for it because we've got him as our co-host every Wednesday. And uh, we like to share our conversations with you. Of course, if I'm watching the chat line, if you have something on your mind, uh, express it here. Please do not call the sideline number because it delayed reception by me. I'll see it after a while. But uh, some of you have called the sideline number. Uh, I, I say you, you may, but it'll take me a while to see it as it pops up on the screen. So if you have a concern, you're able to use that. And as always, we thank our sponsors and our donation people for helping us bring you, hopefully, what you understand is a community forum on that discusses issues both locally, statewide, nationally, internationally. And, of course, with Ted here every Wednesday with us, we've got a... Recording a, a, stopped. Um, are we okay there, production? I heard a recording stop, but I think we're good. Sorry, I just heard a voice. I heard things, Ted. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, I had the question. Anyway, uh, we are having a great time every Wednesday with Ted Yoho, who um, is really interested in much the same thing I am, and hopefully we inform you together that uh, the nation really is, in many ways, at a crossroads. And we got some important elections coming up. So anything that's relevant you want to ask us, we'll try to bring you as much expertise or opinion as we can. It makes sense to you. We've got a couple of items that uh, Ted and I were talking about before we went hot on the mic here that disturb a lot of people. I suppose we should probably start with the, um, the, the loan forgiveness because this is an academic community here in the city of Gainesville, the shining city on the hill by the Lake of the Stupids, which was occupied by the DNA fallout of the UFO. It landed in 1947. <laughs> in case you've ever wondered, Ted, how it got to be the way it is. <laughs> there had to be a reasonable explanation. For that. There had to be a reasonable explanation. The only one I can come up with is the UFO in 1947 produced yeah. the community attitudes, which has been very rude to you, as I remember. Uh, moveon.org and this whole thing about uh, the, the innocent comments I remember you made about guns and all of a sudden they were accusing you of it, all uh, sorts of stuff. What the Gainesville Bulletin will print and it's just so much lies. Well, we got a question coming in already from a good friend in Atlanta who is um, a, a, a real good friend of mine. He, uh, by the way, Ted, he is a former airborne medic in Vietnam. Um, he has been in the middle of it all and survived it in lots of ways and lots of ways. How does one ever get over that experience? But he asked, is it possible, really, does the president have the authority to forgive these loans? No, absolutely not. I mean, Congress is in charge of the spending, period. Uh, he can do it via executive order. He can do it with a signing statement, but it's not legal. And he needs to be sued. And, you know, I mean, it's an impeachable offense. His job is to faithfully execute the law of the land. Uh, Article 2, Section 3 and um, Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution are real specific on that. And so the only way he could do that is if 
the House, which is democratically controlled, and the Senate were to pass a bill that says we're going to do this. But I think a future Congress, you can't bind the hands of a future Congress. And I think if the Republicans, if they get in charge and they have the right leadership, they can pull that back. Um, you know, we just don't need to go down this road. I mean, they've talked about this and all they're doing, and you and I have discussed this, they're vote buying. And, um, you know, we can get more into, you know, school and things like that. <clears throat> the average debt that a student owns is $37,667. That's not insurmountable by anybody, you know, and understand why people went to school. You know, it's a, it's a choice. You're not mandated. You choose to go to school. And when I went, I was broke as a church mouse and, uh, uh, we paid off our loan. Uh, you know, it's a different story now with the price of education, but it's still, it is a choice and you pay an opportunity cost for not working full time and going to school in the hopes that you get a good degree and a good job. So no, he does not have the authority. I'm sorry. I went off on. Well, no, that's a good explanation. A good thorough explanation. So no, Ken, um, Ted says that the president does not no matter what president Trump or anyone would have the ability to do this, but this is once again um, media propaganda. I would classify it as, or uh, something that is uh, pushed out to the media to propagandize. Right about when? Isn't it a curious time when it's announced? It isn't it amazing. Um, I don't know if you want to get into this right now, but you look back at Trump. How much the media and the Democrats went after him, saying. Everything he said was hate speech. If he talked about the border, he hated immigrants. He was xenophobic. Uh, it was hate speech. If he talked about, you know, um, shutting off China because of COVID, it was hate speech. But yet President Biden, I hate to even call him my president, O'Biden, President O'Biden, the other day <laughs> was saying that if you're a MAGA supporter, you're a neo-fascist. And, you know, nobody calls him out on hate speech on that, but that's... That's hate speech, just like Hillary Clinton calling everybody deplorables. You know, it's all right for them to say, and I know you want to, you got another thing you want to go into on a double standard, but um, the Democrats are the Marxists of today, and the Antifa and BLM, they're the brown shirts of the Nazi party. A lot of people don't understand that the Nazi party was a socialist party. Right. And it was a very left wing party. And, and that really fits more, the shoe fits more the foot of the Democrat right now than it even begins to fit the Republican. And the thing that gets lost in these conversations, the thing that I use as a, as a way of understanding who is in which camp is what their attitude is toward the Constitution. And as you and I have talked about and has been much written about it by objective observers, there's a kind of promotion of lawlessness in the land. And this would be an example of a lawless decree. I mean, you even mentioned a moment ago an impeachable decree, um, yeah. taking powers that you don't have that the Constitution doesn't give you and just making them up on the fly and then putting them out to the press right before election time to obviously bail out woke higher ed is what uh, Alicia Finley calls it in her column, uh, bailing out woke higher ed. And, and this is a, a, um, a tip of the hat to that whole institution, which among a lot of other institutions is corrupted. Let's face right. it. If we, if we want to segue into the uh, Department of Justice, we certainly can do it, as we talked about a moment ago, the double standard. Uh, I just want to mention a few things which I know occurred while you were there in D.C. that are on the opinion page, which you probably have seen of the journal. And it, it goes back to 2016 during Comey's press briefing. And when his conclusion was, although there is evidence of potential violations of the statutes regarding the handling of classified information, our judgment is that no reasonable prosecutor would bring such a case. And the word <laughs> which draws my, yeah, my attention is reasonable, right? Right. Right. I mean, come on. Are you kidding me? In other words, Mrs. Clinton could have been indicted, but wasn't. And uh, that ended the whole thing without a prosecution. And, um, this is now, uh, according to the column here, letting the Democrat Justice Department off the hook. Um, Loretta Lynch uh, was the attorney general. Let Comey's judgment stand. Right. You know, give me your take on that as you were there down the hall from all this. 
Well, you you, remet, uh, you mentioned Lynch, and uh, you remember she was on the airplane uh, when Bill Clinton happened to fly into that golf course in Arizona, and they talked about their grandsons. And uh, yeah, you know, right. What a crock! <laughs> um, you know, it's Comey had no right to say what he said. I remember I was in the airport flying uh, up to D.C. at the time, and when he said that, everything was good until he said, "But uh, no reasonable." Um, Justice Department would bring this forth, or uh, prosecutor would. Um, he overstepped his boundaries. He is like uh, the old Dragnet series. Um, I forget the name of the guy, Jack Webb. It was Friday. Sergeant Friday, wasn't it? Yeah, Maybe Friday. Yeah. Just the facts, ma'am. Just the facts. Yeah. That's all I want. And he's supposed to espouse the facts, not make a decision on that. That's not his job. And that whole department has lost the credibility that they used to stand for as being one of the best investigative services in the world. But that sure has been tainted under Obama and under um, the Clintons, of course, and um, under this guy that we have in the White House right now. Um, yeah, that, that should never have happened. And uh, if they're going to do that to Trump, they need to go back and do it to Obama, and they need to do it to Biden, and they need to do it to Clinton. And, uh, you know, it's a tit-for-tat world out there. And, uh, you know, we're supposed to treat everybody equally, but we sure don't see that in uh, the realm of politics today. How could you make that happen, though? See, they just skirt any kind of pressure that doesn't fit their political agenda. It's easy. Um, Over the years, what happens is these agencies, I think we've talked about this before, the people that stay there, the bureaucrats, they aren't left-leaning. They are liberals. And so... As this thing moves further down a timeline, it becomes more liberal. You get somebody like a Trump who is a disruptive technology, for lack of a better word. Uh, (laughs) He upset the apple cart. And, uh, you know, they just cannot tolerate that because keep in mind what their agenda is. It's the fundamental changing of America. That's why you're seeing all these class warfares. That's why you're seeing... um, you know, what's going on in this country that we've never experienced before. You know, our country has progressed so much since when it was founded up through the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. And now we're seeing this Marxist push. And I I hate to say it, but they're leading right now in what they're doing with so many agencies involved, from the USDA to education to the IRS now, and all these agencies, they're all on the Marxist side. We have a sideline comments here I might share with you now that came in. It's pretty uh, interesting. Uh, this all started in 2010 when Obama pushed legislation making the Department of Education responsible for student loan collection instead of banks. Right. Um, almost all comers were to be given student loans regardless of their ability to learn, subjects taken, or probability to repay. So um, this is pretty interesting. The... Uh, Federal government should, according to our caller here, claw back monies from these universities who gave out uh, degrees to, uh, uh, for nothing in existing job markets that would be prioritize the quality of the loan. I think that's what they're looking for here. No, you're right. And that, that listener that sent that in is spot on because that's exactly when it happened. And I remember that. The Democrats were pushing a bill that would make the interest rates at 8.6%. And at the time, I think it was around 4 or 5%. And we tried, the Republicans tried to keep that, but the Democrats wouldn't have that. Um, Nancy Pelosi was in charge at the time. And so he's absolutely right. And it was interesting. I was doing a, a town hall type of meeting. And there was a lady from Germany. And we got talking about education. We had about 100 people in the room. And I asked her about free education. She goes, absolutely not. She goes, if you want to give free education, the person that's getting the education, don't give it to them in the beginning. If they graduate with their degree at a certain GPA in the time period they're supposed to, then maybe offset that. And I said, you know what? That wouldn't be a bad idea. And, of course, we already have that in Florida with the Bright Futures. Um, You know, and there's plenty of alternatives out there to pay for your education. And, uh, you know, for Biden to go ahead and say that we're just going to write off anybody up to 10,000. Well, that's camel's nose under the tent. Next year will be 20,000 and it'll be, everything will be forgiven. And the amount of debt, I think it's what, $1.7 trillion. 
goes right on to the deficit side. And we're that much more in debt as a nation. And we can't tolerate that as a nation. Um, well, it's um, the reversal of this hopefully will come if we can do some good uh, voting in the fall and change the balance <laughs> of the uh, institution you were once a part of. Good voting yeah. and good counting. <laughs> Pardon? And good counting, yes. Well, <laughs> you know, since you brought that up, let's segue into something that <laughs> Governor DeSantis said yesterday. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of it, but uh, we had a problem here in this uh, supervisor elections. We didn't have enough ballots. You may know this, Ted, right. uh, up in High Springs. And, um, you know, there simply weren't enough given by the supervisor elections. And I know more, I know at least one person who, you know, a lot of things come to me because I'm out there on the show and everything. They see me in public and they come up to me. And this lady came up and said, I was told she voted in high spring was that was her district, uh, her precinct. And she said, um, I was told if I wait around for an hour, they would deliver more Republican ballots. And I said, I don't have time to wait around an hour. I work. And so she never voted. She never yeah. voted. So she really is uh, has standing in a lawsuit. Which is the I interesting so. thing. And if our supervisor of election is that incompetent that they can't provide the ballots, they don't need to be in that position. I mean, you know, I, I you hire people based on ability, not on, you know, a position or they moved up the ladder. Um, you know, I know that's a, um, a position that they get voted in. But again, you ought to vote the best people in there for this country and start well, thinking about America first. And we're all Americans. And if not, there's no room for somebody that's not American in this country in the mindset of what this country stands for. And this is not the first faux pas of this supervisor. And no, uh, it's not. And this is something that really has caught DeSantis's attention. And he said in his press uh, conference yesterday, he was investigating this. Well, if he really investigates it the way we've been investigating it, I think he's going to find there's a lot of problems there. And you know how I am. Uh, yeah, let's, use, let, let's, let's, let's use uh, cattle as, as a, an example. If you got a cow jumping fences, get rid of her. <laughs> she ain't going to change, right? <laughs> now, you know, the Gainesville Bulletin is going to put that in there that you called the supervisor of election a cow. <laughs> no, no, golly. <laughs> well, anyway, if, <laughs> I guess if, but you know what I'm talking about. I know exactly. You deal with the problem right away. You don't let it linger on. Because well, that Governor, animal is not going to change. Right. Governor DeSantis has shown that he will remove these people as he did in West Palm. And, uh, you know, more power to him. I mean, we need people like that. Uh, we're excited with what, what Ron is doing and uh, hate to lose him at the state level. But if he runs for governor, or, I mean, president, it's it'll be a good thing for this nation. Well, he's very, listen, every time I have a somebody uh, criticize him, I say to them just one word. Do you mean you wanted Gillum? <laughs> or, or Chris? <laughs> yeah, no, well, Gillum was, you know, they he narrowly missed being the, the governor. And uh, imagine what we would have been scary. like then, that man. Yeah. Oh, it's very scary. Yeah. So, um, but I, you know, there was a letter to, in the paper uh, from a colleague, a liberal colleague of mine at the college is retired. And it was ear, it earmarked all the conventional flaws in thinking that the left holds. I went over it in the show. But the sad part about it was it wasn't just a citizen at large. It was a classroom professor whom I knew thinking like this. And I have to conclude, you know, this is the prevailing attitude in, of the, of the uh, student-teacher relationship. And yeah, I've seen is. it so many times. I've seen it, Ted. You know, yeah. uh, you know that's just the way it is. And so back to Biden, he is obviously doing more than paying lip service to this group. He's not only forgiving the students, but he's perpetuating the inflation of the college tuition and the depletion of the value of the degree. It's That's the big thing, the value of the degree. If, if you know you can go to school and you don't have to pay for it, how long are you going to be a student? I ran against uh, a Democrat ran against me, uh, I think my first or second race. And he said he had changed his major eight times. <laughs> I'm like 
eight times I was broke, busted, and disgusted, and I didn't have time to change it. I had to get through, uh, and it was hard for me to get through. But, you know, these people, if you don't have a time set and, and you're not, if you're, if you're responsible, you're going to put in the effort. But if it's not there, like you said, it takes the value away from it. And, um, you know, it just diminishes that. And, you know, you get people with a bunch of degrees that aren't productive. Well, I had a good friend who's passed, but he was a, uh, a religion professor at the college. And people used to take his course thinking it was going to be an extension of Sunday school. And what they surprisingly bumped into was a, a scholar. A, 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 and listen, a religion scholar is one of the most demanding um, professors you can bump into. And uh, he was my, one of my favorites because of his high standards for research and, and knowing what you were talking about. But he used to quip that education was the only thing you paid for you never took back. In other words, you know, you t- you pay if you pay for it, you pay for a you don't complain if there was no quality. You know, if you get a, a product from Best Buy or somewhere and it doesn't work, you take it back. Right. You know, but if you skate through the education system, and, and it's only going to be compounded by making it free, because then you really never have any compulsion to take it back. And it will just, you know, we already have a serious issue of great inflation. And this is brought about by the communization, if you will, not democratization, but the communization of the classroom. And, you know, we've taken the high guy, some of the value of his grade away and given it to the low guy to inflate the value of his. And that just doesn't make sense. And furthermore, at a place like Harvard, you know, Harvard, we have actually discriminated on entrance requirements to the brightest of the bright who happen to be the Asians. Right. You know? right. It's funny you brought up Asian because um, I was researching that word last night and Grace Ming, who's a congresswoman from uh, New York, had put in a bill that would make that a hate speech back, oh, probably 2013, 14 in Congress, maybe 15. And, you know, it's little nuances that happen that get into law that 5, 10, 15 years from now, you're going to get charged with a, a hate speech. And, you know, Asian incorporates India, parts of Russia, you know, the Euro-Asia area. And most people refer to it as China, Japan, or um, those countries like that, Vietnam. But um, they were just saying how hateful it is for a lot of the other ethnicities. Um, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole, though. <laughs> <laughs> well... And among the Asian world, of course, uh, there are all sorts of difference, as you know, Japanese, Chinese, uh, Korean. It's very complicated. So yeah. there is some merit to uh, giving the proper uh, reference to the proper group of people. But um, the anthropologists have it probably clearer than anybody. They break down the races to three particular uh, groups. Right. Then everything uh, mixes from there. So I always found the the physical anthropologist, not the cultural anthropologist, but the physical anthropologist to be pretty level headed because they can't deviate too much from the fossils they find. You know, know, it's very scientific. You follow what I'm saying? So I always paid attention to what those physical anthropologists said. I thought and they took a long view of history, which is seldomly done in the classroom. I mean, they. They looked way back, you know, uh, which we don't do with this convention of climate change. Let's put climate change in a big, long view and see where it stacks up, you know. Well, that's just it. You know, you, it's like looking at the stock market. Uh, you, you analyze it today and you'd never put money in the stock market. You got to look at the trend. And, uh, you know, again, that's those are long discussions that we could have. The, uh, the other thing that... Um, occurs to me about this double standard is from everything I can read, Ted, um, there's not much there of criminal that would criminalize Trump's documents at Mar-a-Lago. It just depends what the FBI winds up putting in there that, you know, they bury in there. You know, it's such a nefarious situation we're in today. A good friend of mine, Scott Perry, was a chairman of the Freedom Caucus, the FBI came up with subpoenas 
while he and his family were traveling on vacation and took his phone from him. And he's suing them right now, but it's illegal search and seizure. Um, you know, our Constitution is very clear on that. There was a reason we did that uh, and no quartering of troops. But we're starting to see that more and more. And people really, really need to wake up on how this country is changing. Um, you know, um, there's so many things we could talk about that just we need to wake people up and not just wake them up. There needs to be a call to action. And, um, um, you know, we can talk more about that, you know, whatever you want to talk about there. Boss. Well, we're trying to, you know, I know you and I are committed to trying to do our part with it and help people understand. But just the things we're talking about, particularly with the expertise contributions you make from having been there close to ground zero, if you will. Unfortunately, the folks out in the general public don't ever see. The newspaper right. doesn't give it to them. The television doesn't give it to them. The radio doesn't give it to them. And so they're really misinformed to be, to, to be uh, kind about it. Um, they're just misinformed. They're relying on the wrong places for information and then taking it as if it were the gospel. That's their issue. That's where I really feel we need to help teach them that just because you saw it there, you need to check it out a little more closely to make sure you, there's several different sources that confirm what you're seeing. But they don't go to that trouble, Ted. They want instant. You no, know they don't. We're an instant society. You know, we have yeah. fast food drive throughs We have microwaves. We want everything right now. And you can't do that with your news and your education. You have to research this stuff because you can listen to CNN or one of those uh, left-leaning programs and you'll hear 100%, 180 degree opposite of what the other side's saying. And you've got to realize that one of these people are lying. You know, they both can't be factual. And you look at the border. You know, this is something, as you know, I'm starting a podcast that's going to be on Parlor Social. And I hope you're part of that with me. Um, one of the things we're going to talk about and the, the purpose of that is to call to action. You know, uh, the border, if I talk about the border right now. If you listen to a lot of our representatives, they're down on the border. They've been down there five, six times. I don't need my representative on the border. I need action to stop what's going on there. And Ashley Moody and Governor Santos are in the process of suing um, the executive branch and the uh, Department of Homeland Security that's in charge of the border. And uh, Ashley Moody had a great um, uh, hearing with... Uh, I think it's Daniel Ortiz, one of the Custom and Border Patrol agents ahead of that. And he said what the Obama or Biden administration is doing is strictly illegal, 100%. So the call to action is if we've exposed it's illegal, we need to have a petition by we the people and tell the administration, you need to start enforcing these laws. And if they don't, we the people need to sue the administration and just say, um, and, and set the, the to where you get standing and you can use it as an impeachable offense. Um, to talk about it, it'll be talked about between now and the next election. And they're going to say, oh, the border's terrible. Well, uh, we've heard that. When I went up there, it was terrible and we failed miserably to fix that. It's time to put action behind that. I, for the life of me, cannot understand why we don't have an immigration policy with teeth in it. Because... We we huh? have them. They just don't enforce them. Well, uh, you know, it, it just discredits all the ones who've taken the time to become citizens the proper way. Yeah. And one of the big components of that is a real civics lessons they go through to learn about the country. Yeah. I, I have, I've, I've sat in a couple of the uh, final, final stages of their, of their naturalization process in the courtrooms, and yeah. it's really moving. Um, here these people are who... As one person told me when I first talked to her, who was from Cuba, uh, I could go to Miami and I could get a citizenship for $300, but I don't want to look over my shoulder the rest of my life, so I want to do it the right way. Well, we don't have any way of, you know, here they are forgiving student loans for people who, who broke their promise, right? Right. And here, here we are, and we're, we're, in other words, we're really encouraging law-breaking again. Um, contract violations, all that sort of business. But we don't encourage those who fulfill their contracts and their agreements and go through the process. We don't have a converse situation that should reward and recognize these people. 
Well, you know, in, in our society with a capitalist system, you reward good efforts. You know, that's how you get ahead. You do the right things and you get ahead. And um, this government that we have today that, that with the Democrats in charge, it's all division because they want to bring down the middle class. They want to bring down anybody that loves this country and stands for, you know, the, the, the flag or the Pledge of Allegiance um, or, you know, I mean, they're talking, attacking Marjorie Taylor Greene, calling her a Christian nationalist. Now, <laughs> now, if you break that down, a Christian, if you want to attack me for being that, that's kind of hate speech. But when has that become a bad thing? And then a nationalist means you love America. So they want to make that sound like a bad thing. And uh, so they want to attack her for doing the right things. And uh, the news media is behind them and they make a great narrative out there. And yet you take a look at the Taliban right now that's taken over since we withdrew and they are, they are coming down heavy on the Christians. Yeah. So we don't say anything bad about that. In fact, we there's not much difference in the dynamics. Well, you look at what they did in Virginia with the parents complaining about the CRT and all that other garbage you're trying to teach our children up there. And um, you get um, uh, Merrick Garland uh, putting them on a um, you know domestic terrorist watch list. Uh, things are upside down in this country, and it, it, it can't stay that way for long. There'll be an adjustment. Uh, let's just hope it's quick and painless. Talking with Ted Yoho, we're going to take our bottom-of-the-hour break. To get back, I'll give you a little bit of update after the weather on some local developments in our mystery story about uh, Drotos Riles versus um, Boss Hart and return them to our discussion with Ted. And uh, we'll do the weather when we get back. And right now we're going to take our Palmy Hour break. And uh, when production gives us the high sign, we'll be back live with you. So, uh, Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Maurice T. McDaniel, Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All bees poop. Uh, warthog. He's gonna come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Now for the weather brought to you by Lewis Oil. All right, welcome back to the Ward Scott Files. We're at the bottom of the hour. We're going to do our weather report for you brought by 
to you by Lewis Oil, our great sponsor and supporter of the Ward Scott Files, and is really sort of creeping down in temperature a little bit. We're below 90 now, uh, but we still got warm evenings, so grass is still growing because uh, we in the country know grass grows at night. And uh, one of the ways we know when uh, I know what the weather's doing is by watching the cattle. And as long as their heads are down on that ground, I think they're happy. <laughs> and so they're still on the ground. And they tell me a lot about nature. It's um, one of the fun things about being in the country is you really are governed more by nature than you are practically anything else. We know by the smell where the rain's coming. Uh, we know by the clouds what's going on, the direction of the wind. There's a lot of things you get acclimated to as you're outside a lot. And, of course, you're commingling with so many different species. Uh, just crows, for example, I've become interested more and more in. Wow, what a, what a bird. And, of course, you've got your friendly hawk always watching everything. And then you've got those doggone aggressive mockingbirds. So it's really a fascinating world. Uh, but right now, we're going to, unfortunately, probably get more rain periodically. And that's not going to be a... Uh, a good um, omen for some of the people in this community where we are who are already flooded and have had even heavy damage done to some homes in some very, quote unquote, nice neighborhoods where the assumptions are we won't have the hardships, perhaps, that uh, you would think we might have because of the rents we pay or the mortgage we pay or the things we do. But as Jim Dickey once told me, the most frightening um, natural disaster is rising water. It just is the epitome. Um, now, we've got a uh, little bit of activity out in, uh, in, the, in the ocean. I've got a couple of low-pressure areas out there that we're keeping an eye on. And this historic tropical drought that we've had probably is going to end very soon. We've still got violent storms across the Midwest. Now, Jackson, Mississippi is a wonderful town, but, buddy, you wouldn't want to be there right now. They don't have water. And I don't know if you've ever been in that situation, but you can go without a lot of things, but you go without water. I know we went without water on the farm way back when during one of the hurricanes that came through here for 16 days. And it was a chore every day for me to get water and fill the cattle troughs. And I had to go someplace and get it and bring it, because uh, if I didn't, we were going to have a lot of problems. So um, we may be getting out of this August um, kind of um, situation we've had, and Atlantic may be heating up. So be careful. Stay away from the lightning in particular. It's always a dangerous situation. Uh, don't get under the trees. The advice I always heard was to get down in the ground, or if you can, get down into an actual drainage ditch or something low below the surface of the ground. But don't stand under a tree of any description. Pine trees especially, with their long tap roots, it seems that they attract that lightning more than any other tree I've seen it strike. And, of course, once it strikes, it has its own mind as to where it goes. It's very unpredictable. So that's my awards weather report today. The other thing I want to report to you, uh, um, and, and Ted has given me permission to segue off into this briefly, is the story we've been following with you about uh, Riles and Drotos versus Bossart. I think we have posted this now on Ward's Hot Bulletin Board. I sent it over this morning, and production may have gotten it up. If not, we'll have it up soon. Okay, it's posted. Production tells me it's posted. Thank you. Um, we now can talk publicly about that, which we knew quite a while ago was so, and that is Bossart took out a, a loan, a mortgage, and used as security for that mortgage there real estate office at 5542 Northwest 43rd Street, and they took out a loan of one and one half million dollars. Now, just to let you know an oddity about this, I have the paperwork and you will see it on, on the, the bulletin board. Uh, this instrument of a mortgage instrument was recorded in the official records uh, June 3rd. Now, the irony of that is publicly, a boss arts attorneys were still arguing against having to pay that. Uh, and so behind the scenes, they'd already prepared to pay for it. I'll let you decide about all that, but that's the truth of the matter. And finally, this uh, uh, money was delivered to the plaintiffs, Mike Riles and Dan Drotos, and that was satisfied 
on August 30th, just yesterday, 2022. So that money, which uh, the arbitrator ruled and Judge Kime supported, was owed by uh, uh, to Drotos and Riles by Boss Hart, has been delivered. And I suspect if you're following this case, uh, you can uh, sort of extrapolate from that that that's not the end of the story. Uh, there are several other lawsuits going on right now. Hearst has one. Roy Cassot has one. And we'll see how all that works out. There's also a criminal trial that hasn't been dropped yet. There's some discussion about that. We know that Judge Kolal wants that before a jury no later than October. We know that today, yesterday, and tomorrow, the deposing of Cornell, Autumn Doughton, and a couple of other people there at Boss Hart has been taking place, supposedly. We know that uh, Judge Curtin ruled that those depositions cannot be sealed. So uh, we'll find out sooner or later what is said in those depositions. So that's just an update on what has been going on in the uh, big mystery story here in our community about who done it, why was it done. And the biggest mystery story is why in the world over an argument basically over commissions, did you ever need to send a SWAT team to a commercial real estate office and zip tie innocent people who happened to be in the way at the time? Uh, supposedly we'll eventually get the answer to that. We're going to uh, get back with Ted now and take your questions. And one of the questions I got on the break, Ted, was whether or not if the, this has to do with the Republican Party and what kind of resolve does it have? And you've mentioned that there's no reason to have an investigation unless there's a conclusion to the investigation. So if the Republicans do take back Congress, um, do you think that there will be any consequences of that? Um, it all de- it all depends on the leadership. If you get the right people in there, and this is where we need to be engaged as uh, constituents. You know, Kat Kamek is your representative over there in that district. I've got Mike Waltz here. We need to go to their town hall meetings. We need to book time with them and let them know that this is what we want them to do and hold them accountable. We all talk about accountability. It's up to us to hold these people accountable. And we have the ultimate hand in uh, term limits. You know, they're not doing it. Vote them out. And uh, they need to have the pressure put on them, not just at election time, but as soon as they get sworn into office between now and the whole time they're in office, we need to hold them accountable. And like you and I have talked about so many times, I've saw so many hearings. Look at the Benghazi hearing um, with Clinton. Um, Jim Jordan and Mike Pompeo did an excellent job. And Kevin McCarthy made the, the mistake on national news saying, uh, well, they questioned him about uh, Benghazi hearings. He goes, well, it did exactly what we wanted to do. Look where Hillary's in the poll. And, of course, now it turned into a witch hunt against Hillary. Nothing ever came out of that. And, you know, um, again, that was a slip Kevin shouldn't have done. If you have the people in there that have the right backbone and brass, if they're going to do the investigation, be strong enough to carry it through to resolution. Did you have any interaction with um, anybody uh, from California? Because I've got a question coming in here. You know, I always thought that the best thing that might could happen is an earthquake would break California off and it would float out to sea with Hawaii. But (laughs) (laughs) because it's becoming otter and otter and otter, now they put a, a... moratorium on the gas vehicles, of course. But meanwhile, they don't have the electrical power to charge the electric cars. And uh, I don't know, do you converse with these guys from California? Are they normal or what? I mean, I don't want to put you on the spot, but, you know, how do you talk with these guys? (laughs) Evan McCarthy's from California. Um, You know, there's Uh some good. That's all I needed to know, Ted. Uh (laughs) There's some good people out there. You know, I've got some good, but unfortunately, so many of them think like Democrats. You know, I look at David Valadeo, who's a a dairy farmer, and he's very, very moderate on the Republican side. Uh, Doug LaMalfa is stronger uh, on the Republican side. He's Northern California, a rice farmer. But when you get into the to the people in the city area, down in the high population areas, they're thoroughbred Democrats that are just have that new Democrat Marxist mindset. And you can't reason with people. Um, You know, everybody says California might vote to secede. And I'm like, I think we ought to change that around. I think the rest of the country ought to vote to get them. (laughs) 
<laughs> like you said. Yeah, well, you know, once upon a time, it was Republican. And yeah. it's one of those odd things. This is why it really should be studied, is how in the world did the Republicans lose their grip on it? Uh, remember well, I think the, their immigration huh? policies, less than 51 Less than 51% of the people, uh, students in California, I think in the L.A. area, speak English. Um, so when you start diluting your population like that, of course, they're going to vote against that uh, majority, white majority or whatever, the, the conservative majority, I should say. Constitutional uh, majority, I would say. Yeah, I've got a lot of black friends that are just strong, core conservative, um, um, and they don't like what's going on. And it's just, you know... They keep electing these people like your Pelosi's and you see the problems out there and the Gavin Newsom's uh, where you have that uh, unprecedented drug use and homelessness out there. And, of course, they want to just say it's somebody else's fault. No, it's your fault. It's your problem. Deal with it. And, uh, you know, you get nefarious money coming in there, whether it's MoveOn.org and Soros electing these um, radical district attorneys, uh, you know, when people get tired of it, they'll change, uh, hopefully. Question coming in about Georgia politics, and I don't know. I'm not really up on it. One of my viewers is living in Atlanta and listening to us from Atlanta. Um, there's a lot in balance there, isn't there? There's a lot of hanging in how that. There is a tremendous amount up, up there, and I got a house up there in the mountains. And, you know, Georgia has been always one of those just strong, strong red states but with the dynamics of the inner cities. And then remember what Obama and Holder were going to do when they got out of office and they're doing it is going around to the local county and state elections, flipping seats. And they've been doing that. And this is kind of where we're at after eight years of them doing that. And um, they've been very effective at that. And so Georgia politics is really a wake up call for Florida and maybe Texas, you know, and these other uh, southern states that have been very, very strong constitutional republics and conservatives. And, um, you know, it, it's it's something that if Georgia changes, it'll it'll be amazing if that happens. And, of course, we saw what happened with the Senate race. You know, you really made an interesting point there, kind of a domino deal here. Um, if these inner cities become dominant influences right. over the rural area, and heretofore, pretty much Georgia has been rural, but they don't have the population density, the representation that in their legislature that the urban cores do. And therefore, they're kind of taking the Heinz uh, backseat all the time. And that troubles me quite a bit. It's gotten to be more of a, uh, a separation between the two than a narrowing. Uh, I, I think you, you were there. You've been there in several capacities. Have I got that right or am I misreading that? No, you're right about that. And uh, Hillary Clinton uh, spoke before she probably should have when she's talking about, you know, the flyover areas. We don't need to visit those areas. We just go to the big population centers. And um, now you're seeing that come to fruition. If they can get these big population centers slanted to the left as they're doing. And again, don't discount Obama and Holder and that organization. What was that organization called that he he, he made it'll come to me here um, um but it was um to flip these seats on state and local elections and they're doing that i mean look what happened in alachua county with the school board elections and i don't want to say they did all that they're all responsible for that but look at what stacy abrams did in georgia she didn't do that by herself. that was um uh, obama's organization organizing for america is what it was called there you go yeah yeah, and that's what it is. And that moveon.org put the money behind Stacey Abrams' uh, register. I think it was 800 and some thousand Democrats. And no telling uh, how they did that. You know, I'm sure that was all above board. And, um, you know, they're, so they're doing those things. And the more that happens and it's out of the news, it just kind of happens. And we sit there and scratch our head. And that's why we don't have much air. It's like, how'd that happen? Well, we know how it's happening, and that's why it's important for the American people, the conservatives, to stand up and just say, enough is enough. This country doesn't need to change from the fundamental principles. We have reformed over the last 200 years, and we're going to continue to do that. But the Constitution of this country is one that Ho Chi Minh read 
when they liberated and got their independence in Vietnam 70 some years ago, he read our Declaration of Independence um, because it was such a powerful statement in self-government. And so we want to stay with the rule book, you know, change it as you need to, but change it properly. Well, that's the thing that's so frustrating because of the um, propaganda, propaganda and misinformation about abortion. You know, in this letter I, to the editor that I talked about yesterday, the, the writer criticized DeSantis and Republicans for being against women's rights. That's not that's not the issue. The issue was put it in law properly, but don't cram it into the Constitution. That's all we're saying is follow the process. Quit. You know, I don't want to pun on this word, but quit aborting the process. I mean, yeah. you know, that, that, that really irked me when I see a colleague say that in print. Of course, it's printed by the Gainesville Sunset in a community that's you know, reflects everything the writer's saying and misinforms and says that we're against women's rights. I mean, um, I don't know where that, you know, by the way, the word right, in my opinion, has been grossly maligned. Uh, it's, it's, the definition is, is uh, mercurial, let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a good word. Yeah. No, I agree with you. Um, yeah, they're going to go after that because it's a divisive issue. You know, and if we can divide people, we can say this side against this side. And again, we need to bring people together. And, you know, Obama said he was going to bring people together. Trump said he was going to bring people together. Biden said he's going to bring people together. But what we see with party politics is it just keeps bifurcating. And as long as we stay bifurcated, well, you know, it's biblical and Lincoln, a house divided against itself cannot yeah. stand. And uh, we are as divided as I've ever seen in my lifetime of 67 years. And you know, that's why I say we don't need to have issues and hearings and that unless you're going to have a resolution of solving a problem. And I think we ought to start with the border and we need to get the government to pay attention. And if we can't do it by we the people, um, you know, I think I've briefly talked about just stop paying taxes to the federal government, you know, pay it to an escrow account and say, you know, we're not against paying taxes. I just want you to follow the law. And when we do, we'll release the money. And I think if we did that in mass, they can't arrest us all. Um, and people say, well, I don't want to risk everything I have. Think about what our founding fathers did. You know, they signed their name and they laid everything on the line for this nation. And I think the least we can do is hold our government accountable to the rules of the law or law of the land. And that's our constitution. Am I wrong on that? No, I think what we keep coming back to that we have in common, even though we don't necessarily have to agree on everything, but we do believe in order and protocol and a post of reference, which in this case, we're talking about the constitution. Locally, it's the charter. Uh, I, I have found that people are, don't even know there's such a thing as a charter locally. You know, all politics start locally. And I, I can't begin to tell you the number of people contact me. Well, should I vote for this or can I vote for that? Right. Or, and these are not, these are sophisticated people, Ted. I mean, they're, they're prime movers in the community, but they don't know anything about their government models except kind of a whimsical. They've been doing the standard D, you know, in this community particularly, just the standard D. Uh, but for this, you know, and then the nonpartisan races are instantly turned into partisan races, the school board and the city of Gainesville and all that business. So um, we really end up with a frustration. This is my this is my explanation of how we have come to have, quote unquote, an insurrection. People got so frustrated with the representatives not listening to them, right, that they went there to clamor and the clamor grew of its own weight into this thing, which now has been used politically to criminalize these people when the criminals are criminalizing the people. That's uh, their modus operandi is what the Democrats do. I mean, look at what they're doing now on on so many issues. They blame us for doing exactly what they did. A good friend of mine wrote a book, Truth Versus the Democrat Party. It's <laughs> and it's it's a he's a, a Navy veteran, retired C.S. Bennett. He's a, a black man just and he's a radio talk show motivational speaker. And he's written this book and it's 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 been banned because 
it's calling out the truth of the Democrat Party. They're the party of slavery. They're the party of the Jim Crow law. John, uh, Joe Biden the other day on TV was saying the Republicans want to bring back Joe Crow, Jim Crow law. Well, by God, you guys that were the ones that put them in there and protected them for about 100 years, and you're saying we want to bring them back? And, I mean, there's so much sophistry out there, and which is a, a, a kind word for BS. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I've learned I, I can't say some things. I'll get in trouble. Uh, but there's so much sophistry out there that it, it's laughable. it would be laughable if it wasn't for the people that are in charge of our government. And it's like you said. They accuse us of doing exactly what they're doing. Um, it was the coup. Trump was doing a coup on, 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 uh, on our government, trying to overthrow it. Well, no, the Democrats did it when they went after Trump in 2016. And with the, the fake Russia hoax thing, I can't say that word or you'll get beef. Yeah, and I guess you got Yeah, beef. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to be careful there. Um, but they do the nefarious things, but then accuse us of doing it. And a sleight of hand. Obama was great at this. And I told, uh, I told John Boehner when Obama was doing all these things and putting these programs in there, he was playing like duck, duck goose with five-year-olds <laughs> the room, just hitting us on the heads. And we're looking around and we're like, who did that? And meanwhile, he's doing something else over here. And um, they never caught on to that, but that's what I felt like they did. I dropped something here. Sorry. That's well, my take. Well, you know, there's, there's also some discussion uh, about uh, what happens uh, if we don't succeed through the Democrat process. And our Lindsey Graham, as you, I'm sure, aware, even publicly said the other day, if you try to take Trump to trial, and this is Lindsey Graham, and we've talked about this, you haven't seen anything yet in terms of public re- uh, re- reply to that. I would have to agree with that. I mean, we're in a, we're, we're, I'm, I don't know how many more straws the camelback can take, but the, he's getting kind of bowed in the back. Yeah, that was, uh, and, and Graham didn't, uh, uh, Lindsey Graham didn't miss any words. I mean, he, he said, let's, let's just talk about the dynamics of this. What, what brought this first thing around is, you know, your criminal behavior, accusing others of criminal behavior. And so now you're going to give this double standard and exonerate, uh, um, you know, Clinton, she did far worse and, 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 and then try to make this a public display in order to sway votes. You know, the manipulation of the media has been very artfully done by the Obama crew. You yeah. remember, if you maybe you can confirm or somehow discuss this, I understood that one of the first things Obama did was hire a fiction writer, a novelist, to write narrative and distribute it to the media. And that narrative was to be the narrative Obama wanted the media to disperse. Right. Right. Have you ever heard that? I have heard that. And if you put that narrative out first, it makes the media look at this. And so they, they try to work with the president, especially when they're brand new in there, they kind of want to get along with them for a certain period of time, although they really didn't do that with Trump because uh, he was so good at calling them out for fake news. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah. And if you set the narrative, it's a lot easier to get along versus having to respond to the story that they're saying. And so Obama was good at that. You know, who else was good at that was Joseph Goebbels and Hitler. Yeah. 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 You tell a lie big as you can tell it. And they'll believe it quicker. Yeah. I sure did. I sure did. Well, we've been talking with Ted Yoho, who was representative in uh, Congress from our area here for eight years. He's been a great asset to our show every Wednesday. He's going to be branching out and doing his own podcast on a part of platform. Uh, we'll be trying to give that a best boost as we can give it. And we all need to be involved in uh, getting the message out and making sure our voters are informed somehow, know what they're doing and why they're Absolutely. doing it, and what's at stake. So. Ted, it's uh, always great to talk with you. And I know you're headed out to Vietnam soon. When does that occur? I'll be here next week on Wednesday. And then for the next two weeks after that, uh, last two Wednesdays of September, I will be in Vietnam. And we'll do our best to hook in at normal time. 
And if everything works well, we'll be able to take the camera around and kind of show you some of the sites up there. Well, we're looking forward to that. I think we're going to make that work. And it'll be uh, great. Production is going to help. Production says there's no problem with doing that, so we'll 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 make it work. Ted, thanks for stopping by. Thanks for stopping by as always, and uh, stay stay in touch. And those of you in uh, listening and watching the Ward Scott Files, uh, proceed with as much information as you can, and govern yourself accordingly, and do the right thing. Warhol Command Center out. Y'all take care and God bless. Bye bye.